Good morning everybody, good morning. Oh. It's nice to see you this morning. A bit fresh, but it's lovely, isn't it? There's a real expectation, I think. I don't know whether it's just me, but God is in the house. Amen. Amen. God is in the house and we're going to praise him. I want to start with a Bible verse. Let me just welcome you all and the people on the other side of that screen. I sometimes forget and Carol tells me off, so she does always, always. <laughs> So welcome, welcome before, <laughs> oh, I'm in trouble already. So welcome, one and all. <laughs> so a Bible verse from ne 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 Nehemiah, that's quite hard to say, isn't it? Stand up and praise the Lord your God, who is from everlasting to everlasting. <coughs> blessed be your glorious name, and may it be exalted above all blessings and praise. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, mm. and he's freely bestowed on him the name that is above all other names. That at the mention of the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Of those in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth. And that Jesus Christ is the Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Morning, everybody. It's good to see uh, so many of you again this morning. It's always good to meet uh, to, uh, to worship our God and just to spend time with each other as well. So uh, thank you for the wonderful uh, sung worship this morning. It was really good. I, I don't know. I think the songs this morning were just just perfect for us. Um, a little bit of reflection and a little bit of rousing to get us going uh, there at the end. So thank you all of you involved this morning. Of course, we welcome those of you who are on YouTube as well and hope that you uh, enjoy your time with us. If it's the first time that you've, uh, that you've joined us, I do hope you, uh, you enjoy uh, what, what you experienced with us this morning. So after this morning's service, some of us are heading over to the Phoenix uh, Sports and Social Club in Brinsworth for our, uh, we'll call it the New Year meal. We've, we've done it for a few years now and, it, and it's really good. Uh, a lovely time to spend eating and chatting. If you can head over there as soon as possible, please get, grab a cuppa first, but don't have too many biscuits and spoil your dinner. But if you can get there for as, uh, one, as near one o'clock as possible, um, that'd be really good. Um, tomorrow the ladies are meeting. Uh, can I just stress that it is an early start this week at one o'clock. And you're having lunch, so that's nice, isn't it? So I think it might be here in the church because we've got some work going on next door. But just turn up for one o'clock um, and, uh, and, and then we'll see what happens after that. Tuesday the 16th uh, of January is the art play group from 10 until 11.30 and then again in the afternoon from 1 until 2.30 and the lunch club will be uh, up and running again on Thursday the 18th and that is from 12 o'clock. Do, do invite people, do invite your friends, family, anyone that you think would like to just join us for a, it's only about an hour, just an hour, an hour and a half of, uh, of eating together and, uh, and sharing. And it is warm as well. So if the weather turns really cold and you fancy coming for a warm, that's, that's, uh, that's something else you can do. Now, on Sunday the 4th of February, we'd like to invite all church members uh, to a meeting after the service at, uh, at 12 o'clock. There are quite a few important things we need to discuss. So that's on Sunday the 4th of February. Please do try and make it if you can. 
Um, there's a big, massive wall planner, year wall planner, at the back of the church that Mark's donated. Uh, if anyone can make use of it, please do take it after the service. Uh, as usual, the website, Facebook page, they're all regularly updated, but if anyone needs any information, please do give us a ring. Uh, we're always around for a chat. So I'd like to invite Sandra up now to read the scripture for this morning. Thank you. Yeah, the lesson this morning is from Mark's Gospel. It started at chapter 5, which you'll find in page 840 in the Pew Bible. So it's chapter 5, from the beginning to verse 20. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately they met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him any more, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with the demons begged him that he might be with him, and he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marvelled. Well, just as we come to look at that passage, children, if you want to go out with Jenny this morning and be super kind to her. As you go, be blessed, be anointed, and learn much of what God is wanting to say to you this morning. Just as we come to look at this passage, let's pray. Father God, 
Would you open our ears, our eyes and our minds and our hearts to receive of you this morning? May all that we've said already, all that we've sung, the words, the words that we've heard through uh, translation of Mark, through what will be spoken, may there be a fresh revelation of you this morning, Jesus, to us. Whatever it is we're going through, whatever it is we're facing, Lord, may we just see you and be and know that you are the one that comes. You are the one that heals. You, at a word and at a touch, will make all things well. So, Lord, we just ask as we receive from you this morning, Holy Spirit, breathe afresh, anoint us, and guide us, we pray. Amen. So as you know, we're looking at the uh, names of Jesus. Uh, today we're looking at uh, some um, of the Most High God, unveiling his divine authority in Mark chapter 5. And as you've heard this morning, as we look at the different names, as we look at that, we're going to be looking at various things this morning. What's going on within this passage because at first glance, you may just casually glance over it and just think there's a bit of an interaction. But actually, as you dig deeper, we'll then see things that we need to question because what has been said, that's so important. And of course, with that, what does it tell us about Jesus himself? So as we delve into this passage, start working um found this powerful passage actually this powerful narrative found in chapter 5 of mark we see jesus is proclaimed as the son of the most high god this title spoken by the demon possessed man unveils profound truth and authority about the divinity of jesus that alone has great significance so what's going on maybe well as we heard in these opening verses we see that Jesus and his disciples are arriving at the region of Gerasenes. There they encounter a man possessed by a legion of demons living amongst the tombs in a state of utter torment. Day and night he was enchained and he cut himself to try and free himself of these demons. That's what was going on. He was tormented by all that was happening. And as we see, this man is, is that spiritual symbol of, of bondage and despair, if you like. Too far. Uh, yeah, as, as Jesus recognises him, and as the man recognises Jesus, he calls out, Son of the Most High God. Even in his affliction, he sees and acknowledges that divine authority of Jesus Christ. And that's important. As we continue reading through, we see uh, that Jesus is exercising his authority over the demons. With that, he commands the unclean spirits to come out of the man into the herd of pigs, ultimately demonstrating his power over forces of darkness. And yet this dramatic event, if you like, emphasizes the supremacy of Son of the Most High God in spiritual battles. Then comes completeness, if you like, compassion and restoration. Because after the deliverance, the town people witness the transformed man's now clothed and in his right mind. And instead of rejoicing in this miraculous change, fear and despair sets in. Instead of that, 
that uh, the rejoicing, what happens here is the misunderstanding grips their hearts. And Jesus, however, models compassion by instructing the healed man to go and to share the story of God's mercy and restoration. When he saw Jesus from a distance, as we heard, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him and he shouted at the top of a voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, do not torture me. For Jesus has said to him earlier, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Now, as I said earlier, a casual glance, you can just read over that and think there's a bit of an interchange and this man's healed and, and what have you. But actually what we're witnessing is Jesus interacting with the demons and not necessarily the man. Because there's a trap that's been set. There's a trap that's been set here because the demons try to overcome Jesus. They've inhabited and controlled the man, if you like. Jesus came to give freedom from sin and Satan's control. Here we begin to see the significance of Jesus being called the Son of the Most High God, if you like. Here what we begin to see is this confrontation between Jesus and the demon where spiritual battle, another victory if you like, remembering what Rob was saying last week about the victories that Jesus wins. And here in this spiritual battle, this victory is won beyond the realms of human nature. You've only got to look back. This isn't an isolated incident. You've only got to look back a few verses into chapter 4 and you'll see that the disciples themselves turn around to Jesus and say, let's go across to the other side. A place where they shouldn't go. A place where they shouldn't be, but yet they're invited to go over. And as you know, what happens in chapter 4 is there the furious storm comes along. And again, casual reading of that. So a storm brews up and it's common in that time and in that area when you go into the history and the makeup and the top, uh, topography of it all. But again, you're missing a point. They're going to a place where they shouldn't be going to because Jesus has got to have that appointment with the man to heal and clean him. And so you may say that the evil forces of nature rise up against them. And yet at a word, Jesus calms the storm. Because that ain't going to prevent them from getting there. And then when they get there, the demon comes out, possessed within the man, screaming at the top of his trying to overpower and trap Jesus. And there is the proclamation, if you like, and the encounters. Again, look back. You've only got to go back to chapter 1 of Mark, verse 24. Demon identifies Jesus as the Holy One of God, reinforcing that divine authority that Jesus holds over the spiritual realm. We know that Jesus holds divine authority over all evil. A few verses on of chapter 1, verse 27, Mark continues to record that amazing uh, uh, presence in the synagogue as Jesus, again, authority over unclean spirits. Connection between Jesus' divine identity and his authority over evil is, of course, evident. And Jesus, again, triumphs over darkness in Colossians 2, uh, verse 15, speaks of disarming the rulers and authorities, triumphing over them on the cross, triumph over the spiritual forces, aligns with the demon's acknowledgement of Jesus as the son of the most high God. Even evil forces recognise Jesus as son of the most high God, but yet at best, 
People these day and age use Jesus as a swear word, as a curse. But yet here is the revelation of who Jesus is in this most uplifting title, if you like. This, this revelation as we have of who Jesus is is significant because of the connection of his sonship and of the divine, the unity with the Father, as you read in John's account, chapter 10, verse 30, where Jesus declares, I and the Father are one. I and the Father are one. You cannot have no stronger bond and unity within that. That he and the Father is one. That profound statement emphasises that inseparable unity between Son and Father, between Jesus and God, reinforcing that depth of this divine sonship. And of course, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, that radiance of the Father's glory, where it describes Jesus as the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. This verse alone underscores the intimate connection between Jesus and the divine, affirming his identity as Jesus, son of the most high God. There's great significance. And yet in our passage today, we hear of this conversation between light and dark, good and evil, redemption and destruction of all what we see going on and through that. And so as we look back at this passage, not skipping over the obvious points, but as we look again, as we read through it again, the, the context of where we are, what is said and by who, as we say they go to a place where they shouldn't be, that confrontation that we see, for all that the man is uh, entombed and entrapped in his wild and unpredictable behaviour, he is irresistibly drawn to Jesus. Because he knows of what rescue and what salvation will come. But it's not a meeting of hope. In fact, he fears the worst once Jesus spoke the word of exorcism, if you like. This is dangerous territory. This is where the trap comes. Because it is said that the knowing of a name accurately was believed to give the one who is saying it power over the other person. Now... We may think that's all just mumble-jumble and whatever. But actually, there's a reality here. This stuff is real. It goes on. It happens. And yet, the demon declaring, what do you want with me, Jesus, most son of the high God, is trying to trap him because he knows Jesus' full name and full divinity and full authority and power. In a sense, there can't be any other higher name, son of the most high God. And he easily missed the situation if you just think it's a two-way conversation between the man and Jesus. But Jesus isn't dealing with the man. There's no need to at this point. What he's actually doing is, is saying that the spirits need to be released. And they are released because they've met their superior power in Jesus. And what happens is this bizarre, bizarre twist, if you like, because they then disassociate themselves with the man... And in this bizarre negotiation, decide on where they want to go. So they realise that they can no longer remain within, but must be banished out. And we read further on, Mark draws that further attention to the power of Jesus. Because not only does he cast them out, but he controls their destination. 
But so what, we might say? What, what does that mean for us? Well, it might be quite strange for the scientifically minded readers to cross in this territory. Not believing in spiritual realms of, of, of darkness and of light. Those that see that there must be a, a technical explanation to this struggle. Because we're not dealing in human understandings and, 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 and ways here. We're dealing with Jesus identifying and excommunicating, if you like, the demons, not the man. He says and does nothing to the man at this moment in time. It's all of this spiritual battle that goes on. Need to remember that it's a story about health and wholeness of the person, including the spiritual dimensions. What's also going on, though, is it shows the significance of Jesus' power and ability and willingness to set free those that are bound by those conditions described, which are still with us today in corporate and also individual forms. So what are the implications of our faith? Well, I believe... I believe the confession that we find in Romans chapter 10 and verses 9 to 10 outlines that necessary of confessing Jesus as Lord and believing in his resurrection for salvation. Because it also shows, as we read in our passage, that the demons acknowledge that. They confess his name, albeit in a different nature, but what it's doing is it's pointing to the centrality of confession and recognising Jesus' divine authority. And even the demons do that. Let's not kid ourselves to believe that we can maybe just say sorry and carry on the way we are, behaving and doing and treating people as we may want to, thinking that we're Christians, it's okay. Because if that's the way we're behaving, then yes, I'll say it from here, I think you would need to question someone is whether they're in Christ, and Christ is with him then, if that is how they are behaving and believing. Because there's no recognition of Christ at all. Because you know that when Christ is in you and you are in Christ, there's transformation. We behave differently. We try to become more Christ-like. Yes, we all fall short, don't get me wrong. But the way we go about and recognising and confessing and if necessary getting on our knees and confessing Jesus as Lord and as Saviour and believing within our hearts, there then comes the difference. When you are truly in Christ and Christ is in you, you see transformation. And it's also important to trust in the divine authority of God during challenges. Psalm 62 speaks of that wonderfully, it, that beautiful expression of trust that we can place in God alone, finding rest in him, in our salvation and fortress. This trust extends to Jesus, the son of the most high God, especially in challenging circumstances. And I'm sure we can testify to the many times we have faced challenging circumstances and know that we don't face them alone, and often we don't go into it alone, but that we come and we pray. We seek God in those situations and through those situations. Through often we may feel lost, but in that moment of time and of prayer and acknowledging of Jesus as Son of the Most High God, there's then that spiritual presence 
knowing that he goes with us hand in hand. What does it tell us about Jesus then? Well, as I said earlier at the beginning, I think verse 7 of this chapter in Mark captures that pivotal moment where the demons recognising Jesus as the Son of the Most High God declare his divine authority. The title goes beyond just mere acknowledgement of Jesus' identity because the significance of Jesus as Son of the Most High God encompasses divine identity, authority, fulfilment of prophecy, unique relationship with the Father, a revelation of God's love, demonstration of obedience and humility, and above all, the foundation of salvation within our Christian faith. Because this title encapsulates the essence of who Jesus is and this pivotal role in God's plan for all of humanity. Not just for his own sake or for his own cause, but of God's plan for all of humanity. We looked at that passage in context and of other biblical references that simplify and amplify, if you like, the significance of Jesus' divine sonship. And you witness it in Peter's confession in Matthew 16. The demon's recognition in Mark chapter 1 and in chapter 5. In Jesus' own statement in John chapter 10. And Hebrews chapter 1 collectively paints that portrait of a saviour who authority transcends earthly boundaries. Hence we have this narrative here in this passage. This divine authority that Jesus exhibits over evil, as seen in Mark 1 and in Colossians 2, it establishes him to be the ultimate spiritual conqueror of darkness. Because his victory on the cross not only disarms spiritual rulers, but also solidifies his position as son of the Most High God. This is the significance of his name. Understanding that implications for our own faith, we're called to confess Jesus as Lord. And as we're reminded, set out in Romans. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the death, you will be saved. There's no other simpler way of explaining the gospel than that. That if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Not head thinking, not head knowledge, not head thoughts, but within our heart. Within our heart of hearts where God himself dwells. And so we see, if you like, the demon's acknowledgement serving as a stark reminder that even the spiritual darkness realms recognise and bows to the authority of Jesus Christ, the Son of the Most High God. And yet as we face challenges, a reminder that Psalm 62 encourages to find our refuge in God, who is our salvation and our fortress. Because this refuge, if you like, extends it to Jesus in whom we can trust with unwavering confidence no matter what we're facing no matter what we're going through knowing that he is the one who is the son of the most high God I guess 
Finally, this passage beckons us to delve deeper into the depths of Jesus's identity and authority. It invites us to acknowledge him as not only a great teacher or healer, but just as his name has been declared as Jesus Christ, son of the most high God. That name must be central in our understanding of God's plan for salvation. That he is the one, the only one, the only begotten son, if you like, who has come to save and who will continue to save. It reveals God's love for humanity by sending him. It also bridges that gap between God and humanity, offering redemption and reconciliation by simply declaring with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believing in our hearts that he is the one that has been sent. Jesus, the divine son, becomes the mediator, becomes the sacrificial lamb, he becomes the one who brings forgiveness of our sins. He is the one and the only one who is deserving of our worship, of our trust and of our obedience. So that alone may make you question, is Christ within you? With all that said, it may make our hearts resonate with all those that have gone before Acknowledging Jesus as the one who holds supreme authority over all creation. Over all the earth. It's the one who we can come to. Time and time and time again. No matter where we are. No matter what we're facing. No matter what we're going through. What we've said or what we've done. If we come truly believing that he is the one, the one true begotten son, the son of the most high God. And believe in that with all our hearts and confess him as Lord, then there is salvation. And there's a difference of how we come to him. Sometimes people think you just come and say, yeah, I think I believe what's written in here. And, and, and so Jesus said and did those things. Great. I'm a Christian and on we go. But I think you'll be fooled by that. And you'll soon be derailed by that. Because it's very simply what it says. is acknowledging in our hearts, confessing with our mouths that Jesus is Lord. It's not about human interaction as we say, it's about faith. Not faith of what, but faith of who and in who. Jesus Christ. Let's pray. With all that said, do you know Jesus? Can you honestly sit there this morning and, and maybe if you're at home or, or watching this back, can you honestly sit there and in your heart of hearts, know and believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and your Saviour because you've professed with your mouth that he is Lord and within your hearts truly believed 
And maybe you've done that, but yet you feel a million miles away from him. You're struggling within your walk with Jesus. As a picture, you may see that you're on the opposite side of the road and you've just got no idea how to get back. Jesus is that bridge. Jesus is that crossing that you need. And so here, an opportunity, a, a, a call to faith, if you like, that we simply look back to declare with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and to believe within your heart that God raised him through the dead, from the dead. And through this, you will truly be saved. Lord, would you come upon your people here, watching, catching up, wherever it is that they may be, whatever it is that they're going through right now, Lord, you know them, because you are creator. Lord Jesus Christ, son of the most high God, you have all power and authority over all creation. And so, Lord, would you hear the cries of those hearts, of the people that cry out to you, that confess with their mouth that Jesus, you are Lord, that you was born that you died upon that cross for the forgiveness for the sins of all and that three days later you rose again for the power of the resurrection and you live and you reign forevermore until you come again. Lord, would you come into those people's lives that call out to you? Would you come again, Lord, and restore just like you did with the man who was possessed. You wasn't dealing with him at the beginning. You were setting him free from the bondage and the trap that had ensnared him of the evil forces. But at the end, as he came and wanted to go with you, you said go. Now that he is clothed and in his right mind, fully restored, fully healed, ransomed and forgiven to go and declare of the mercies and the compassion that God has had upon him. Lord, would you come to those people that may not feel close to you? Would you come to those that live in fear and anxiety for things that they are facing or are about to face? Lord, would you come and bring about restoration, and redemption and reconciliation in those hearts that cry out for it this day. And in their doing so, may they recognise you, Jesus Christ, as Son of the Most High God. And may we all encounter the risen Lord Jesus Christ this day and forevermore. Amen. As we invite... Uh, the worship group back up to lead us in this last song. And again, an opportunity. If people need prayer, this isn't something we play at. The things we've gone through this morning isn't just some nice fuzzy little story or a bit spooky. This is real. But so is Jesus Christ, the Son of the Most High God. And so if you're in a position where you're in fear 
or you're trapped or you need Christ in your life, then I simply say, come down here and let's pray. Thank you. To bless us, to keep us safe, and to remember that there is power, power in the name of Jesus, and to share it with everyone we come across and whoever we meet. Shall we just finish and we sh shall we share the grace together? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.